0: Welcome back to chasing perfection after dark. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We're recording this after the St. John's game on Wednesday. I literally just got back from gamble. So we have basketball fresh in our minds and boy, do we have a lot to talk about three games since we've last recorded. All of them have been at the very least, very eventful. And then not only do we have another game coming up on Friday, we have the South Carolina game coming up on Monday. So we will talk about all of that. So we're going to kick it off with Arkansas. Obviously, UConn's biggest test of the season so far, their first real ranked game. I know we mentioned that we don't really consider DePaul a real ranked team anymore. And I think UConn kind of proved us right on Sunday again with that. So UConn goes down to Arkansas. Number 19 team in the country. Not totally expected to be a tight game we did say that their UConn could have issues but we figured that as long as Olivia Nelson Adota played well UConn wouldn't have much trouble I mean technically we were correct if Olivia Nelson Adota played well that game probably wouldn't have been as close but UConn's defense just apparently didn't take the trip down to Arkansas, but at the same time, Gino's been telling us all season that he doesn't think his defense is really good. And I just went back and dug up the quote that he had after the Xavier game that he doesn't even care what the scores or what the numbers are. He doesn't think his defense is good. And I think Arkansas Pretty easily showed why that is UConn couldn't stop them at all. When they were in zone, they couldn't stop them at all. When they were in man, they couldn't even remotely pretend to slow down Chelsea Dungey, who scored 37 points, the worst defensive performance by a UConn team since the Notre Dame final four loss in 2001. That is a very, very long time and not a record you want to break.
1: Yeah, no. Just I mean, I feel like that pretty much sums up a horrible night defensively. <laughs> I mean, Chelsea Dudley scores 37 points. They just didn't, couldn't find a single answer for her. She just basically had her way. I mean, when they were in the zone, she was wide open all the time, which is a problem you don't want to be leaving a team's best player. Someone that could potentially be a lottery, if not, will be a first-round draft pick this year, wide open on the floor. Not a great move. Um, but even when they were on man-to-man defense, just did not have an answer for her at all. And then... Arkansas also was able to really hit a lot of three-point shots in that game. So UConn a lot of trouble on that end of the floor.
0: Right. Like, to a certain degree, you don't want to discredit Arkansas because they did shoot the ball well and they did play a really good game. But at the same time, as Gino just mentioned the other day, when every single shot that you take is open, you should be making that many. Like, UConn never seems to be on the right page as a team defensively like there was that stretch where they were in zone and Arkansas was just launching threes and you, there was no Yukon player, even in the vicinity. And then, as you mentioned, when they're in man-to-man, nobody could stay in front of their man. I mean, I think Mira McLean probably had the best night of anyone and got hard done by a couple foul calls and then got lucky on one other one there, but yeah, they just, had no answers. And I think that's going to be a recurring problem for this defense. I think we saw against Seton Hall, they couldn't stop Lord and Park Lane. They have no one-on-one defender that they can throw on and shut them down like Kia Nurse or Gabby Williams or any of the great defenders that have come through the program. Maybe Aubrey Griffin can get, maybe not at that level, but close to that level by the end of the season, or maybe Mir McLean becomes some sort of defensive, defensive specialist, but I don't really think Paige Beckers, Kristen Williams, or Avina Westbrook are going to be at that level, at least not this season. And I think we also, not to jump too far ahead, but also kind of that problem reared itself again tonight against St. John's with Lilani Correa scoring 33 points. She's basically scored all of Seton Hall's or St. John's points. And I mean, I guess to a certain degree, it's like, all right, well, someone's going to score points. So why don't you just limit the damage to one person? But It's a pretty persistent issue for UConn that an opposing team's best player, or maybe not even necessarily their best player, but someone on the opposing team can go off on these huge games, and UConn really has no answer for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think as we've seen it in a handful of games. I think you've been... Villanova, I think Maddie Seegers, uh, maybe it wasn't the whole game, but she had a half where she's kind of had her way on offense. I think we kind of consistently see it that there's a player on the floor. that gets to have their way, which when you talk about Big East games, like tonight, okay, not a big deal. They can stop everybody else. Like it doesn't really cause them that much damage. They're not at risk of losing the game, but I think we saw it versus Arkansas where you have someone like Chelsea Dungy and then you have a really good backcourt there and Amber Ramirez hits a bunch of threes and all of a sudden you're in trouble because you've got you know two players now that have combined for almost 60 points from Arkansas.
0: Right, and you know one issue that I felt that was there was Olivia Nelson Adota has pretty much her worst game in a uh, maybe not the worst game because that Baylor game was pretty bad last season, but definitely had a very very disappointing night. She only had two points and two rebounds, played just 9 minutes in the second half. Gino went with his freshman instead of Nelson Adota out there and when UConn was in man-to-man and Arkansas was just driving by whoever was on them, that was somewhere where I felt like Olivia Nelson and Dota could have been a huge presence down protecting the rim because then yes, you can deal with the players driving past their, whoever's guarding them because you have someone to protect the rim. But I mean, she did finish with three blocks, but it just felt like a very big hole in UConn's defense that if whoever was guarding their player, they got by. There was no one behind them to help because everyone had to be so far out on the three-point line because obviously Arkansas was so dangerous from three in the game. So more so than what she did offensively, because I don't really think offense was the problem for UConn when they scored 87 points. If Nelson Adota could have been playing well enough just to be a defensive presence and be a force down in the paint that we've seen her be. It's not like she's never been relied on to be a shot blocker or a rim protector. That has been pretty much her MO since she arrived on campus when she hasn't had the offense or maybe the rebounds haven't been there. She's always been really good at blocking shots. So the fact that she wasn't on the floor for long stretches of that game, I think really hurt the defense too.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, a lot of times this UConn defense, it's not good, but it, it gets by because you have Olivia Nelson and Dota at the rim. It just alters a team's shots and that they'll even take, and then also this their ability to get to the rim inside if she's there changes the game, and when she doesn't play a lot of minutes or doesn't have a strong defensive performance like she does in this game, then it leaves that defense more vulnerable. We know it's not great with her. It's a lot better, but without that piece, it's, they're going to struggle defensively.
0: Right. And I think just across the board, she's not having that great of a year on defense. I looked it up today and she's averaging pretty much on the dot two blocks a game this year. And that number kind of feels low to me, even with that. And last year she had 3.1 and maybe it's just, I'm misremembering last year, but it did feel like she was much more active on defense and played a much bigger role as a shot protector. Whereas this year, I don't really feel like she's getting involved a whole lot on the defensive end and she does get blocks here and there. And I don't think she's invisible on the defensive end. It just feels like she has so much less of an impact. And maybe that's just the way Yukon's playing, or maybe she's forced to guard players a little further out and be less close to the rim. But I don't know, maybe, like I said, I'm just misremembering things, but I feel like overall, not even just in this Arkansas game, but over the course of the season, she's been a little muted defensively.
1: Yeah I would agree with that I think the beginning of the season it felt like she was playing so well but it was more that she was really excelling on the offensive end and now that she's gotten quieter on offense I feel like it's kind of just both ends of the floor it's a little more clear her presence just hasn't been as strong um, and I think not to get ahead of ourselves but when we talk about the South Carolina game that's going to be a big storyline going into that but it feels like to me that like how good this team is kind of ebbs and flows with how good she can be. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch going down the stretch and see, does she step it back up? At least I think at the beginning of the season, she was playing better than she is right now. So maybe it's just a slump, but um, I think that's going to be interesting to follow.
0: Right. And you'd at least hope that she could find some happy medium. Like maybe you don't get that high peak that she had from that stretch from the second game of the year really through, I'd say the Providence game or thereabouts where she was barely missing any shots, any shots that she was missing. She was rebounding and putting back in and just really being a complete force on offense that no one could stop to being basically invisible in a lot of these last few games and not having as much of an impact. She doesn't need to be a superstar, but if they could just get her to be a consistent contributor and maybe give them at least 10 points a game and shoot well and be a good presence defensively and at least grab rebounds on a consistent basis. I mean, just by her height and wingspan alone she should be getting more than two rebounds in a game. So I think as we saw last season, she's subject to go through lots of highs and lows and it just kind of feels like this year, those peaks and valleys are a lot more extended and they're a lot longer than they were last year where it was she would shoot up for one game or two, but then she would drop back down to a more normal level. Now it's like she's either very, very high or very, very low.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we saw her really, really high for, like you said, that, that stretch true. of games at the beginning of the season. And then it feels like we've seen her kind of really, really low for a few games now. So hopefully we're on the tail end of this this low stretch here. But I wonder how much plays into it too, just like the flow of the season, right? Like for a while they were playing games pretty consistently and then it feels like this this low has kind of come with their schedule being pretty disrupted and a lot of breaks and things like that so i wonder if that's played into her ability to play at the level that she was playing at earlier on Um, so maybe going into this stretch where they're at least supposed to have more games kind of in a row will help and just being more in a rhythm but we'll see
0: Right. I mean, we talked about it before we started recording, but like, I feel like I have no concept of what the schedule this is this year, like not even in regards to changing all the time. It's just like, okay, I know they're playing Marquette on Friday and I know they're playing South Carolina on Monday. And beyond that, I have a rough idea, but really it's, that's just kind of the wilderness right now. It's way, way out there. So I imagine the players are probably feeling something similar and to kind of stick with the juniors, Kristen Williams has, I guess, her de facto homecoming game and started off the game pretty well. She had a good first quarter looked aggressive, like she did against Tennessee and then kind of disappeared for a very long stretch of the game. Made a couple plays in the fourth quarter. And then just has that mental mistake in the final moments where Arkansas has those free throws with only a few seconds left, they miss. She grabs the rebound, and instead of calling a timeout or just going right up the floor, she does neither. She takes five dribbles, pauses at midcourt, and only takes a timeout with, I forget what it was. I think it was like 0.3 seconds left, which basically there wasn't much time left to begin with. So the odds that UConn was going to make some sort of comeback there were very, very low. Still, it completely wipes out any hope of pulling off that miracle. You can't get a shot up, especially a three-pointer that they needed In 0.3 seconds and even if it was 0.8 seconds still like there's just not enough time and it would have been one thing if she just didn't call a timeout and just heaved it from midcourt or if that was the plan all along we didn't gino's answer after the game took a little bit to digest the plan was they got up with more than five seconds they were going to try and go for a fast break and just play it out and if there were less than five seconds they were supposed to rebound and timeout it's, it's hard to tell. Like part of me, I don't know what was said in that huddle, obviously. And Gino said that he explained the plan to him. I wonder if he at all mentioned that they needed, they couldn't take a dribble or make a pass to advance the ball at the timeout. You say that the player should know that, but that's also something that the coach needs to bring up and make sure that they know because they have so many other things going on. So I don't know if he said that or not, maybe he did. And Kristen Williams just forgot But it's just a disappointing mistake for a junior to make, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, and part of that probably comes to the fact, like, how often has Kristen Williams played in a game where she's had to worry about that they were, you know, within three points at the end of the game? Because, I mean, most of the time they win by 30 points in these conference games. And then even if you look back at some of their losses last season, none of them were that close. So... They're never really in that situation at the end of the game where you need to remember exactly how to play out an endgame situation, so I'm sure that plays into it as well. But yeah, a disappointing way to end the game because you would hope that, you know, they had five seconds there, whatever it was, that you take the best, you're set yourself up to get the best possible look at a chance to tie it and they, or win it and they, that just doesn't happen.
0: It had shades of that Stanford game back in, I think it was 2014, that overtime loss. The one that started the 111 game win streak where UConn had that final possession in overtime and looked like they had never been there before, which they had never been, but they were completely lost and had no idea of how to handle themselves in that spot. And it, that felt like the same thing that happened on what God time doesn't exist anymore. Last Thursday. <laughs> well, not to go all negative, obviously, like there's not a ton good you can say about a loss, but Paige Beckers was pretty spectacular, not the entire game, but especially in the fourth quarter and kind of just showed what type of player she is. She was unconscious. Like when UConn needed buckets in the second half, they were literally just giving it to Paige, and Paige was doing whatever she needed to score. She had this three that she basically dribbled around with it for fifteen seconds, stepped back, put it up, and just from the way she was playing, it wasn't a very high percentage shot. And normally, you would if someone else took that, you'd be like, "Oh, that's easily missing." And that ball left her hands, and you're like, "Yeah, that's absolutely going in." Like not a doubt in my mind that she was going to miss that. So she finished with a career high 27 points, 15 of those came in the fourth quarter. And I think if there is a positive out of this loss, not to jump too far ahead, but she mentioned that she felt, she felt some responsibility that she didn't start shooting the ball earlier. And especially with the way that she shot it in the fourth quarter. And obviously Gino has been pushing her to shoot more and more And in the two games we've seen since then, it seems like that message that she she needs to shoot more is finally kind of getting through to her.
1: Yeah. I feel like it feels like something has clicked. I mean, maybe it was like that Tennessee game where she was a little bit lighter on points for the night, but something's clicked. She's been shooting it really well. Her last three games have just been absolutely insane. So something seems to have clicked in for her. And then, I mean, on other positives from the Arkansas game, Avina Westbrook was also fantastic mm-hmm. in that game. I think, you know, Paige and Avina were a lot of the reason that UConn was even in the game to begin with. Avina goes five from seven from deep, which is absolutely insane. So, really good performance from her in terms of when the rest of the juniors weren't totally on. Still, a really good showing from her.
0: Right, and I think that just kind of fits right into what her role is: is she basically does whatever the team needs her to do, and to talk about the St. John's game for a little bit she had just eight points tonight but the freshman really carried the show in that one so she didn't need to score a ton but then UConn needed her in that game and she was able to step up and answer the bell and put on her best performance in a UConn uniform by far probably without having it in front of me one of the better performances of her career and I feel like that was just kind of a glimpse at what type of player she can be when she's really on and she's maybe not the go-to player but one of the key players for UConn and for as much apprehension as we had about her at the start of the season at least for me that's all completely evaporated and I think Paige is still probably the most important player on this team but I think is up there too I think she is a very very critical piece of this team and just continues to impress with every game that goes by.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Avita, like you said, does like she does what the team needs her to do and that's not always going to be scoring. But, I mean, she also has six rebounds and seven assists in that game against Arkansas. And then we're going to get to it shortly, but puts up 14 rebounds against uh, DePaul on Sunday. So, Isabel, even if it's not adding a ton of points, finds ways to be involved in the game and have a big impact on the team, kind of regardless of what she's doing.
0: What do you take away from this game – as kind of an outlook on UConn's entire season. We did mention the defense, but I said this a couple episodes ago, but I just think everybody is terrible in women's basketball this year. I don't think there's actually a good team because everybody has lost. I mean, UConn lost to the number 19 team in the country. That's honestly pretty good compared to what some other teams have lost too. So what, what did you think about this loss in a big picture sense?
1: Yeah, and a big loser sense doesn't concern me that much. Like you said, I don't think like there's not a dominant team or really even a couple teams right now. I think you know that it's kind of anyone's game in and out, especially in the top twenty-five. So, I I don't think it's a big deal that they lost this game. Honestly, it's probably a good thing they lost this game. It's probably a bit of a wake-up call when you, especially they haven't played any of their kind of traditional big conference opon- non-conference opponents yet this season. So you're just beating Big East teams in and out by 30 plus points a night, this probably wakes you up that doesn't mean that you're that good. So probably a good loss in a way. And that just like a reality check about where they stand. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that jumps out to me. I think we know that no one's that good this season. I think you could have told said that about the Seacon team before this game. It just kind of affirms that take. Um, and I think the other thing is just that, Olivia Nelson, I it has to be better for this team to be kind of one of the best teams in the country come March. I think we're going to see that more and more as they play some of these tougher games. But they're when they play a tougher opponent, they're going to need her to be more on.
0: Right. And I know UConn fans don't like it, but unless in a particular year like the 2016 team, 2014, those Maya Moore years off the top of my head, The years that UConn is very clearly the most dominant team and has the most talent and is going to blow through everyone regardless. Yeah, those years they should go undefeated. But other than that, I think it's probably not a great thing for UConn to go undefeated. And that immediate year after Brianna Stewart graduated where they kind of unexpectedly went undefeated, got to the final four against Mississippi State and suddenly found themselves down for the first time and never really recovered to stable footing in that game and ultimately lost. I still feel very strongly that if that team lost at any point in the regular season, maybe that two lane gamer. I mean, there was no other game that was even particularly close, but (laughs) if they did lose a game that season before and the streak ended and they no longer had that weight on them, I think that team probably would have pretty easily cruised to a national championship, but hindsight is great. Anyways, with this team, yeah, I think a loss is, it, it doesn't hurt them. I mean, they didn't even drop in the AP poll. I think, the voters understand that Arkansas is probably a better team than what their win loss record gives them credit for, given just how many difficult top ranked teams that they've played. And Arkansas also just played a pretty phenomenal game. So I think if you play that game, let's just say 10 times, I'd probably bet UConn still wins six, seven times, but Arkansas is a good team. And like we mentioned, I think that loss really kind of woke up Paige Beckers to realizing, okay, I'm a freshman, but I really need to be the go-to scorer on this team. And I think the DePaul game was pretty much like a perfect example of the way that she should play because she finishes with 22 points, second straight game with 20 points, fourth game of her career with that many, but then she also sets a career high with 12 assists. So she balanced it really well of taking shots when it was her turn to take shots. And I think we saw it a lot in the first quarter where her shots weren't falling, but she was clearly being aggressive and going and looking for her own shot. I'd say first before she was really looking to pass on like what had happened in the past and still manages to get a career high 12 assists and was the tied the most ever by a UConn freshman. So that kind of felt like to me, the blueprint performance for what Paige Becker should be able to do going forward.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure the Arkansas loss had something to do with that before we jump to the Paul One last thing on the loss, I was happy to see that. I feel like the narrative around it, like the media, wasn't so much like, oh my God, UConn has lost a game as it normally was. I think when they lost to Baylor last year, it was like, you know, NPRs all started reporting about women's basketball because <laughs> UConn lost a game. And I saw a lot more um, stories along the lines of okay, Chelsea Dungy puts up 37 points on UConn and like less about. Like, oh my God, you've UConn lost a game. This is the world. So I did think that was at least a positive spin to kind of how things went this
0: year so far. Yeah, that's a fair point. It didn't feel like the total world melting down, skies falling, head for the bunkers type loss. Though I do think NPR is probably the only outlet in the world that could make women's basketball boring, just on a completely <laughs> random side note. The Arkansas. Razorbacks defeated the University of Connecticut Huskies 90 to 87 on Thursday night so yeah I I agree with that it it really didn't have the same feel and also like when you score 87 points it's not like UConn just got completely outclassed like I think we saw against Baylor last year or really in all three of those losses last year where UConn just got beat they I maybe not so much Baylor. I think Baylor was close for most of that game before UConn went cold, but South Carolina and especially Oregon, like UConn just got beat by a better team in those games. And I think the Arkansas loss is more just a matter of UConn got out executed in certain moments. And even still, for as horrible as UConn's defense played, it's a three point game and one or two plays throughout the course of the game could have swung it. So yeah, I, definitely isn't the end of the world and is going to do more good than bad in the long term, I think. To move on to DePaul. So there's so many various numbers that you could use to just describe how good UConn women's basketball is. And it's always kind of fun to go through the different ones. So like 11 national championships is easy or every single final four or not final four. Well, yes, every single final four since well, the last 12 Final Four, I can't do math that easily off the top of my head. I was a <laughs> communications major. You, you don't want me to do math. Uh, but every Final Four of the last 12 years, every NCAA tournament is what I meant to say uh, since I, 88 or 86, somewhere around there. It's been a very long time. And then never lost a game in the American, just Gino having 11, 13 wins, whatever it's up to now. But the really crazy one, they haven't lost back-to-back games since 1993. 1993, after the Arkansas game, 1,004 games had gone by without UConn losing back-to-back games. They faced DePaul, who is a good team ranked number 17. They were actually ranked higher than Arkansas. But as we've said before, UConn kind of has the cheat code to beating DePaul. And they didn't have too much trouble doing it. It was a slow start for them. They typically start slow, but then they came on, beat DePaul pretty easily in the end. And I think the exciting thing was first game ever on Fox, Fox, like your standard Fox station, the Fox that shows NFL, first ever women's basketball game. And honestly, I thought Fox did a fantastic job. I watched most of their pregame show, Rob Stone, one of my favorite people on television, Connecticut guy, made a shout out to men's soccer coach Ray Reed and former men's soccer coach Joe Maroney, which was not expecting. They had some very good uh produced videos on Yukon before the game. I thought both the broadcasters were, were really good and I felt like they towed the line pretty well of appealing to a national audience that maybe doesn't follow UConn or DePaul very closely, but they also made sure that they didn't talk down to the fans that have followed both teams for a long time, know the ins and outs of the program. It was I thought it was a very nice balance and one of I'm usually not someone who pays super close attention to the broadcast, but I thought it was a very good broadcast.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought they did a really good job. I think the stuff, the pregame stuff, I mean, the videos narrated by Sue Bird, and it was, it was really well done. And like you said, put kind of perfectly to a line of, you know, getting a national audience on of people that don't typically watch women's college basketball, but then also being like you sitting there as like someone that watches UConn every single game wasn't annoying. Um, I do think like it's really cool that it was the first women's basketball game on Fox but at the same time it's 2021 so the fact that there's literally never been a women's college basketball game on regular Fox is a little bit disappointing Um, but in general I thought they did a great job. There was an actual post-game show which we don't see often even when games are on like ESPN so I thought that was pretty cool too they you know they interviewed Paige after the game they they showed some other women's basketball highlights around the SEC and stuff so I thought that was pretty cool as well
0: right and I agree that it's bad that it took this long for Fox to put on a main women's basketball game who what what other conferences does Fox have because like Obviously, women's basketball has always been big on ESPN, but I know ESPN has the SEC and the ACC. They had the AAC with UConn in it and the old Big East. So is the Big 12 Fox?
1: I think the Big 12 is Fox. And okay, then- so they should
0: have had Baylor yeah. on
1: at some point. Yeah. So
0: it's not like they haven't had any games to select from to put on. They could have put something on at some point. Oh, Pac-12 is Fox, isn't it? Aren't they?
1: They're, they're like their own thing. I don't really know. <laughs> well, actually, the Pac-12 network. <laughs> well, actually, the Pac-12
0: doesn't exist. I can't forget <laughs> that. So no wonder Pac-12 game has never been on Fox. The plot thickens. Anyways, um, so they avoid back-to-back losses, and for as inconsistent, I guess, is the way to put Kristen Williams' performance against Arkansas and for everything we've said about Kristen Williams this year – I feel like her performance against DePaul was probably the best of her career. She had that aggressiveness that we've always been talking about her lacking. She set a new career high, finally surpassed that Notre Dame game where she scored 28 points with 29, didn't just score, did a lot more. And it was just the look of how she played. She looked aggressive. She looked like she was going to be UConn's go-to scorer. And I think it was a very deserved performance for her.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's easy to think, like, oh, yeah, it was her best game because she's, you know, shot 80 percent from the floor. But to me, it's more about the way she looked on offense. Like you said, she was aggressive. She was driving in the lane. I think we've seen her settle for a lot of three point shots lately. Like she doesn't necessarily take the ball inside and look aggressive on offense and sometimes just spend maybe a little bit too much time kind of around the arc. And we didn't really see that. I mean, she does take a handful of three point shots, but really drives in the lane, has a lot of good... Um, shot creation inside so a really good game from her the best we've seen I agree so far this year for sure and probably in her career so I think it was really positive to see that I mean, we didn't get to see how she followed that up today we'll get to that in a second but hopefully this is like something clicking for her I feel like we've seen it a little bit you know even in the, in the Arkansas game she was really on in the first half and then it felt like she kind of disappeared for a bit but I think we've steadily over the last few games seen her more of what we expect from her. So hopefully this is kind of it clicking in and what we're going to continue to see from her down the stretch.
0: Right. And for me personally, at least, I don't really care what she does in these next few games. I mean, it would be good whenever she does return. If she follows it up with those types of performance, it doesn't necessarily need to be 29 points, but just playing with that aggressive nature. But I think it's just good that she's doing it at all. I think I had questions. Maybe I didn't Publicly state them that is she ever even going to get back to what she looked like as a freshman at certain moments? Is she ever going to reach that ceiling? And I think the fact that she showed that she can get to that point is a very good sign. And now the next step is going to be making sure she can get, if not at that level, close to that level on a consistent basis. But just the fact that she was there for one game. And it is disappointing that she missed the St. John's game with a minor injury and didn't get a chance to follow it up, especially with how bizarre that game went, which we will get to. So hopefully she gets back for the Marquette game. And at the very least, UConn probably needs her pretty badly for South Carolina. And if she can be, I'd say even 80% of what she was against DePaul against South Carolina, Yukon's going to be in really good shape. So it's, substantial progress for her, especially considering we're really not that far off from her scoreless performance against Providence. So not to take away from Paige Becker's performance again, because she was pretty phenomenal and just takes another step. And for as good as Paige has been, I think it's really good to see her put back-to-back games together that are that impressive, where she really looks for her shot and is aggressive and also really good distributing. And now it's also three games. And I feel like, I don't know if this is just imagined or what, but it seemed like the freshmen all really kind of started out quickly. Maybe Nika nonwithstanding because she had that ankle injury. The freshmen all started to come out pretty quick, all played well. I mean, Aaliyah Edwards had that 17 point night at Seton Hall. Paige Beckers had also a really good game at Seton Hall. Mir McLean was very active early in the year. And then I feel like over really kind of the month of January, all those freshmen kind of dipped a little bit. Even Paige Gino said she had kind of been worn down. It seemed like maybe taking that game off against Georgetown and just getting that rest that came with having to heal her ankle helped her out because she looks a little more refreshed and less run down considering she's playing the most minutes on the team. I think the freshmen are all kind of starting to come along and Paige is definitely in that group. And for as good as she's been, it is good to see that there is development in her game from game to game and she's not going to be satisfied with what she was at the beginning of the year for as impressive as that was.
1: Exactly. Like if Paige played every game, like she did her first game of her college career for her freshman season, it would still be a really, really good freshman season. But I think she's having a great freshman season because we've seen that like every game, something improves in these last three games. It's just clearly clicked like what Gino's been driving home about her needing to shoot more, which, I mean, she's shooting like something insane. I think it's 55% from the floor and 55% from three on the season. So she absolutely should shoot the ball more. So we've seen a little bit more aggression there, but she still distributes the ball really well. I mean 12 assists in that DePaul game to go along with the 22 points. So it feels like that's just all kind of starting to click together and she keeps making progress every game.
0: So I have her stats in front of me. She's shooting after the St. John's game, 56% from the field and 58% from three. And I should just mention that those numbers have gone up as she has started to shoot more. They were, at least her three-point percentage was pretty much right at 50%. So the more she's shot, the better she's become as a three-point shooter. So to move on to the St. John's game, surprise inactive and Kristen Williams not dressing for the game. She apparently hurt her ankle in shoot around and Gino didn't even know that she wasn't going to play until he showed up to the game. So surprise absence for her. It doesn't sound super serious, but they, the team or Gino did say after the game that he will know better tomorrow. They also really didn't have Aubrey Griffin. She got about a minute 45 in there, but she apparently banged knees with someone in practice and tried to give it a go and it didn't work. So she ended up on the bench for most of the game. Obviously Anna Makara is still out for the foreseeable future, Her status, honestly, is getting a little concerning for me. Gino said today that he doesn't have any updates on her, so I don't feel like we're going to see her for a long time. I don't want to make any guesses about when that's going to be, but I don't think it'll be for a little bit. And then also, it just feels like they keep coming. Nika Mule, she played and actually had a pretty good game, but she also sprained her ankle in practice recently. The injuries are just coming and coming, and it's not like they're – hamstring pulls or muscle injuries or tendon injuries or things that you would normally associate with overworked players because of the bizarre schedule, but it's twisted ankles and banged knees and just weird things like that, that it doesn't feel like you can blame on the pandemic or the weird season that they're happening. But that just, UConn has very bad injury luck this year. And I mean, maybe you can say that they've been pretty lucky for really the last decade, if not longer, they've been knock on wood haven't dealt with anything really really serious so none of these things seem to be very serious i guess and on a non but we saw a lot of freshmen uh against st john's just because uconn only had two upperclassmen that could really play
1: yeah i feel like that everything's a little concerning just because it seems to be like a lot of little nagging things which not maybe that end of the world nothing serious other than Anna's, but it's still like they've got a pretty tough stretch of games coming up there. I mean, this of course assumes things go off without a hitch, which I'm sure there'll be changes and things will get canceled, but it's probably the most they'll have to play in game situations so far if things kind of go on as planned. So I feel like that doesn't equate well with, you know, having a bunch of players that need rest.
0: Right. Well, it was a good sign that UConn was without so many key players and it was pretty much the freshman game to win and they won pretty handily. The freshmen scored 75 of 94 points. A lot of that came from Paige, who scored a career high, another career high, 32 points. That was the most by a freshman since Tina Charles had 34, her first year. She again, just had that aggressive play to her. She really, it seemed like everything she was shooting went in and she was looking for her shot a lot, which I think was a really good sign, especially considering how many people were out. Aaliyah Edwards, also a career high. We're just going to start listing off all the career highs because there were a lot. She scores 22 points, has nine rebounds, one rebound off a double-double, but both of those are both career highs. Nika Mule, first time in double digits for her. She had 11 points. She also had six assists, which both of those, again, bests. And then Mir McLean, just a very Mir McLean-type performance from what we started to learn about her. She played Twelve minutes and had eight rebounds. Six of them were on the offensive boards. That is just quintessential Mir McLean.
1: Yeah, absolutely insane. In those twelve minutes, she rebounded sixty percent of UConn's misses. That's <laughs> literally insane. <laughs> That's I, so she once she was on the floor, she got more of UConn's misses than the entire St. John's team. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so incredible from Mir McLean. I mean, Paige's numbers also obviously thirty-two points first 30-point game for her. I'm sure it will not be her last 30-point game in a UConn uniform, um, but also there's just seven games from freshmen this season so far, where, or seven 30-plus-point games from freshmen so far this season, and pages today at 65% from the floor is by far the most um, efficient 30-point game from a freshman this season, so really solid game from her. I mean, she just continues to be, she's five from six from three again, her, like, three-point shooting is just incredible every game it's like one or two misses but to be averaging well over 50 percent from deep at the volume that she shoots them is really insane
0: also i don't feel like she's necessarily taking incredible great three-pointers that are wide open like there are some times where she's just like "Eh, i feel like hitting a three right now and she just kind of pulls up in someone's face and drills it and doesn't think twice about it which is incredible she's just i try and think back to like what my expectations were for her coming in and it's just comical like if she could have just been a good player this year and maybe average double figures i think i would have been pretty impressed and the fact that she's basically this team's best player and really one of the best players in the country i don't think it's unfair to say that she's one of the best players in the country just because she goes to yukon and has all this attention on her she's legitimately a star as a freshman and is only getting better with each passing game. She's just, it just feels like every single game, she's doing something different. And maybe it's not necessarily in the stats where like today it was the 32 points and the DePaul game, it was the 12 assists and Arkansas. It was just the way she was unconscious in the fourth quarter, but just, it seems like every game, there's something new from Paige, and it's just like the old stuff is becoming routine at this point when you still have to remind yourself that she's a freshman, which is unbelievable, and I just, I mean, Caitlin Clark is really good, but I think Paige is just absolutely phenomenal and is nothing like I have ever seen before, at least.
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I don't really get this narrative that, like, because she goes to UConn, she's just too hyped and that she's not actually one of the best players in the country, I'm like, okay, well, UConn's, what? they're number three in the nation in the AP poll. Anyway, you want to shake it. They're a top-five team. In the country, Paige has pretty much consistently been the best player for the team, which would make her one of the top players in the country. I don't think it's because she plays for UConn. She's the best player on one of the top teams in the country. And then doing that as a freshman just makes it even more impressive. But she's, to me, very clearly one of the best players in the country right now.
0: So if the season ended right now, Paige Beckers would finish with the ninth highest scoring average in program history. She is at 19.6 points per game. Everybody above her, as far as I can tell, was not a freshman when they were on that list, which is unbelievable. I mean, Maya Moore is only on that list once. Nafisa Collier, I think is the only person to appear. No, Nafisa Collier and Carrie Bascom are the only players to be on there twice. So the fact that she is already scoring this many points as a freshman and is doing it at such an efficient level is just unbelievable I mean you could probably make an argument that she's currently having one of the best seasons in not just the country but like actually yukon women's basketball's history that's how good she's been and like we said there's no sign of her slowing down and I think some of it maybe yeah maybe her point total cuts down a little bit if Kristen Williams and Olivia Nelson adota can kind of pick up their game more but at the same time it more feels like a rising tide lifts all boats type thing where it's not going to be cutting into Paige's points. It's just going to be adding more points on top of hers and it's going to be giving her more assists. And that is a very, very promising prospect for Yukon.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, she shares the ball so well already that it's hard to imagine that it's going to cut into how many points she can score just because she's already passing it so much. So I mean, she should be shooting it as much as she has these last couple of games. Clearly, I mean, she's now up to shooting 58% from three of the season, that's absolutely insane. I actually just looked it up because I was curious. But if she was even to finish at like 55% for three, which of course, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. But that would be the best three-point shooting season from a freshman since at least 2015.
0: Uh, yeah, so just, that would... That would completely blow out the Yukon <laughs> record. Like, if she even regresses significantly, the Yukon record is 49.7% by Sue Bird. Yeah.
1: Like, it's, she's it's like a kind of 11 points
0: down. over that. <laughs> 11 <laughs> points. 11 yeah. points. Like, I don't know if you heard me the first two times, 11 percentage <laughs> points higher than the program record. I just did the math. If you, if like, obviously she's not going to set any total scoring records because of how short this season's going to be. But if you took her scoring average and pushed it over a roughly full season. So I picked 37 games, which is kind of right around where they'd normally play. She would have 722 points. That would be seven eighth best in program history, again, as a freshman. And then just to, for fun, like, they, there've been seasons where they've played 40 games. So 40 games, she would be third all time in points scored. So like, like I said, actually one of the best seasons in program history, not just one of the best freshman seasons in program history. And from what we've seen the last three games, she's only getting better, which is terrifying for everyone
1: else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's just so so good already. And then she just keeps getting better. I feel like To me, it's like when she came in, there was so much hype, right? Like this amount of hype that we've never seen around a player coming in to play women's college basketball. And I did not think she could like live up to that level of hype. And yet somehow she has managed to just fully exceed it.
0: Okay, I actually need to correct something because as I mentioned, you don't want me doing math. (laughs) 58% is not 11 points higher than 49%. Not sure how I came up with that one. That, that is nine points higher. Yeah. Regardless,
1: <laughs> I'm still I'm nine points higher. <laughs>
0: quite good. Me at math, quite bad.
1: Yeah, well, you're a math major. Didn't even catch that you were being bad at math, so that's, that might be more of a problem.
0: <laughs> well, it was just a fun game to see all the freshmen play against St. John's, and even Gino seemed to have some fun with it because he threw out a lineup that was five freshmen at the end of the third quarter, or to quote Gino, four freshmen and a high schooler, which is honestly a pretty good description of it. And then they really didn't do that bad either. So it was just a very promising performance that he could throw them out there like that. And I guess we saw a little bit of it against Arkansas, but he could throw them out like that. And they held up to the task. Obviously it wasn't a huge opponent in St. John's, but they still played very well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, one, it's just fun to watch them out lineups like that, because it's, it's a different experience. you got to get to get a better read on so fr- some of the freshmen play when they don't have, you know, all the juniors around them, but they played very well kind of in that last stretch of the game where they were all on the floor together, that it was very good to see. I mean, granted, Aaliyah and Nika played a lot of the game to begin with, but I think in general, just... When they, even when it was all freshmen on the court, they looked really good out there, which speaks, I think, volumes to, not to get way ahead of ourselves, but, like, how good this team can be next year if just a group of freshmen can already play at that level by the time they're sophomores. And then you, of course, have all these other play, pieces that can play around them. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I was thinking on my drive home from Gamble that supposedly before Paige had arrived at UConn, AZ is supposed to be better than Paige, which I don't necessarily believe at this point because just for everything we just talked about. But if AZ is anywhere close to Paige, considering how good Paige is going to be next season, just those two alone is an unbelievable combination on top of, like you said, literally everybody else back except I would guess Savina Westbrook's not coming back with how well she played, but still, everybody else coming back, it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to even think about if by some just AZ is actually better than Paige, like she's been said to be. Like, I can't even imagine how good she's going to be because I feel like Paige is kind of just like an it's uncomprehensible how good she is as a freshman. Like I can't even really think about how good she'll be by the time she's like a junior or a senior. It's kind of insane to think about.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is like, for as good as Paige is, I still feel like it's not so much her play, which again is really good, but it's just the way she plays the game and how confident she is and how nothing shakes her. And she already plays like a veteran and acts like a veteran. And. I just can't imagine AZ is also like that. No disrespect to AZ, but that's just, Paige has set such a different standard and I don't actually think the record books could handle what would happen if AZ was better to UConn. I think I would have to throw my record book right here in the fire because everything would just be out the window. Yeah, I mean, it is like, with the WNBA draft rules, maybe they do get changed, but it is a little disappointing that Paige is eligible to leave after three years because it would kind of be hard to imagine her staying four years. But if she does stay four years, like the level that she would be at would just be unbelievable. And then Nafisa Collier's fiance, Alex Bazell, also a WNBA trainer. So not just Nafisa Collier's fiance, a WNBA trainer said that page would be a top five point guard in the WNBA right now. And I don't necessarily know if I believe that, but also I don't think it's necessarily that far away from being accurate.
1: Exactly. I I don't think she's there yet, but I think it's not as much as a hot take as everyone was making it out to be on Twitter. I regret interacting with that tweet because my mentions were a mess for like two days. But um, yeah, uh, people took a lot of offense to that comment on Twitter, but I really do think she's she's At a level where, like, if she was eligible to go to the WNBA this year, she could make a WNBA team right now. So she's not that far off from being in a conversation of the top five, top ten point guard in the league. Like, I think by the end of next season, she very well could be there. To me, it just – I mean, I think it's going to start to be the case more and more often. I think you see it in the men's game already, right? Like, players – all these players that play one year of college and then go play in the NBA and are good in the NBA – think the woman's game eventually starts to catch up to that but I don't think it's as hot of a take as everyone kind of made it out to be
0: she would literally be the number one pick if she went this year I don't think a team would think twice about that like I can't imagine a team seeing a player like Paige even if maybe she wasn't going to be ready this year to play in the WNBA you pick that make that pick on potential alone because I don't think there's any doubt in any general manager's mind in the WNBA that Paige Packers, isn't going to be a, a superstar that could completely change your franchise the way that like Brianna Stewart did with the Seattle storm. When she got drafted by them, there's just, there's, there's no way. She's just that good and that good already. And I don't know if you even say the same thing about Brianna Stewart after her freshman year or, I don't know how many freshmen even would be first round picks to begin with after their freshman year. So it's, yeah, it, the fact that it's even a conversation just is another example
1: of how good Paige is. Exactly. Yeah. And I won't talk about it too much, but I feel like having that conversation is important in terms of like, that's the direction the W is going to go, right? Like that's the way that the NBA evolved. is probably the way the WNBA is going to evolve, but I think people aren't maybe ready to have that conversation because people seem to think it's very offensive to insinuate that she could play in the WNBA right now. But um, yeah, I think without question, she'd be a number one pick this year. if She couldn't go. Um, and I think eligibility requirements will change over time, but it's, it's interesting to at least speculate about.
0: I just love how UConn has the best player in the country again. Well, m- maybe she's not there right now, but she will be in, like at most six months because people are just going to lose their minds. People just love to knock Yukon and Paige is just going to eventually be so good that you can't even like try and make an argument for someone else because she's just going to be so much better than everyone, the way that Brianna Stewart was and the way that I imagine having not seen it up close and personal Diana Taurasi was. And at first those comparisons seemed a little much to put on a freshman. And now I'm not really sure those players are even good comparisons for Paige because I think she's pretty much surpassed how good they have been as freshmen because she's just at a different level. And that doesn't necessarily mean that she'll event eventually become better than them because those three Brandon Stewart, Diana, Taurasi, and Maya Moore all have set such a high bar, but I feel pretty comfortable in saying that she's already surpassed what they've done as freshmen.
1: Exactly. I think, I think there's some like caveats to it, of like the role that she's being asked to play versus the role those players were asked to play as freshmen. But I do agree that her freshman season has just surpassed what any of those three did as freshmen by far. And I mean, we still have a lot of basketball to play, but it doesn't really seem to be any indication that it wouldn't continue that way. So, I mean, yeah, long-term pitcher, those are three of the best, Basketball players, ball time, are all going to be Hall of Famers one day. So, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on an 18 year old kid to say that she's going to be that good. But I mean, the comparisons don't feel that wild.
0: No, which I don't think either of us were even ready to say at the start of the season with the way that we reeled in our expect, we were, I remember we were debating if she was even going to be in the starting lineup. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow.
1: She that was wow we were wrong.
0: <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think we could have been more wrong about that. The, the idea, like the idea that she could even come off the court right now is ridiculous. She's playing every single minute pretty much for this team. It's just insane. So to get back to the St. John's game a little bit, Sailor Poffin Barger finally with the team. She hadn't officially joined the team yet. Although I think our last episode, we talked about how she was going to be with them at Arkansas, made her first appearance at DePaul, took a lot of shots by on the encouragement of Paige Beckers. We should add, didn't make any, couldn't make any tonight against St. John's, but we did get a chance to talk to her. Well, I personally didn't, but Megan, you were on the call and I listened to the audio and, it is really impressive to see how mature and how self-aware she is for being 17 years old, that she knows that she's probably not going to make much of an impact this year, just because of the situation that she's coming into. And she understands that, that everyone else is six months ahead of her. And she's understands that the coaches have no expectations and she just needs to do X, Y, and Z and continue to improve and get ready for next year. It's, it was just, I feel like, I don't mean to compare her to Paige, but just the way that she was so, I I guess, self-aware of everything happening to her as a freshman was very similar to the way I thought Paige talked when she arrived on campus over the summer.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think for someone that's, you know, 17 years old, literally just like graduated high school early on a pretty last-minute decision, showed up to campus, was like stuck in a room by herself for 10 days or whatever and then joined the team three days ago she has a very good handle on like what her role is what she's there to do the fact that she's really there to just learn and kind of pick up stuff so that she can make a bigger impact this next year but doesn't expect to be playing a huge role this year because she is six months behind everyone else but I think just that that awareness like kind of understanding like three days into well maybe more than three days but like less than a week into joining the team is really impressive from especially when you consider she's Seventeen-year-old. I try
0: not to remember what I did when I was seventeen years old because I you know <laughs> it would just end up with me laying awake all night reliving every single stupid thing that I did when I was that age. And let me tell you, I was not very prepared to go to college when I was eighteen. I couldn't imagine just picking up in the middle of my junior or not junior year, but senior year, and just being all right, going off to college with a bunch of people that I don't really know in the middle of a pandemic too. Something. I didn't deal with when I went to college. So <laughs> just very impressive. And I think it was a good sign that Gino gave her some run in the third quarter today with the rest of the freshmen. And I'm keeping my expectations in check for her. I don't really imagine her doing anything this year, but I think if she can just get some solid experience and play in some blowouts more than just, you know, the minute, two minutes that Piaf Gabriel usually gets, I think that would be a very good stepping stone for her into next season and could help her be more of an immediate impact player when next season begins and kind of, instead of kind of having to ease into it the way that everyone else in that class is going to have to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And gives her a little bit of leg up. She's the, I think 30th ranked recruit in the class. So coming in a little bit lower than some of the other recruits that they've got coming in next year, but she's going to have that, you know, extra few months of experience under her belt, which should give her, you know, a little bit of an advantage getting some more minutes and having a quicker impact next season uh, as a freshman or sophomore. I don't know what they'll call her it's
0: a freshman <laughs> yeah I <laughs> I bet she'd still it. be <laughs> I bet she'd still be a freshman because I think the way to describe her right now would be an early enrollee because okay. I mean this year doesn't really count NCAA wise Whereas like this is still a natural junior year for Liv and Kristen Williams or a natural sophomore year for the sophomores or same thing with the freshmen but coming in late, I still think they'd probably consider her a freshman next year just to fit in with the rest of the class because she I think will be a lot more aligned as a player and in that sense with the freshmen more so than with the other six current freshmen this year so it's at least good that I think it'll be a very good experience for her. So to, um, I just hated that transition.
1: Um,
0: so ultimately it'll be a good experience for her. looking ahead. UConn has one game off one day off before they play their next game. They travel out to Marquette who's one of the better teams in the country. They're still not a top 25 team, but I think Megan Duffy's built a solid program. So Megan, what have you seen from the Golden Eagles?
1: I think the biggest thing from them is they got one really good player influencing a lot. She averages 16.1 points per game for them, but she's clearly their best player on the floor. So I think the biggest thing I'd like to see from UConn in Friday's game is like not letting her score 30 points and can they find a way to – take the best player on the floor and contain her a little bit because I think that's something we've seen them struggle with against Arkansas, against St. John's tonight um, and many other games this season. So Selena, she's a, I think she's a senior. um, So a good player with experience. Can they kind of contain her a little bit? Um, Otherwise, I don't really expect Marquette to get them any problems. We're probably an NCAA tournament team. So it's a better Big East game for them, but no big standout things there.
0: Putting you on the spot here, what do you think their seed will be?
1: Uh, they're probably a lower seed, so I would think they're probably like a 10 seed. They're probably on that bubble line. but
0: So like a team that UConn would face in the second round. Yeah. Moving on to the bigger game ahead of us, South Carolina comes up to Gamble on Monday, number two in the country right now. But as we've said all season long, everybody sucks this year. So – Megan, compared to everyone else, how good is South Carolina?
1: For me, South Carolina is probably one of the better teams in the country. Like, I like I think they might be the best team in the country right now, just because I think we've seen all these teams that have lost games to, you know, the middle of the pack, of top 25, like UConn, to unranked teams in South Carolina playing in the SEC. So they're playing a lot of ranked opponents. The SEC is very strong this year. There's a lot teams in the top 25 and they haven't dropped any of those games they haven't lost a game since they lost to nc state who currently ranked fifth i want to say but they just beat louisville on monday night um so we'll probably move up in the rankings so that's the only game they've lost this season they are very good i think the one thing that strikes me is where they're not that great is they've got three big players alia boston zaya cook and destiny henderson each individually is usually pretty good but it seems like one of them is off every night like they Oh, two of them play really good and the other one does not, so it depends, I guess, which one <laughs> doesn't have a good night against UConn or if they're all on, all all on against UConn, then I think UConn's going to have more trouble with them, but I think that's kind of the thing that strikes me the most about South Carolina is they've got three really good players, but they're not necessarily consistent.
0: That matchup also kind of feels like it plays into UConn's hands because I think UConn would kind of take a team with bigs over a team with really good guards because... You know, for everything that we've talked about with Olivia Nelson and Dota, I think she could probably handle those players defensively. And I think Aliyah Edwards, as long as she's not fouling every other play like she has at times, she is pretty solid defensively as well. So if you can at least slow them down and not let them score on every single opportunity and then let your guards kind of lock down the three-point line, which UConn has been pretty solid at doing this season, then what you get on offense, I feel like is less important because you don't rely so much on getting the ball inside to score when I feel like UConn has a pretty significant advantage in the backcourt, not just with page backers, but if you can get the Kristen Williams that showed up at DePaul or the Avena Westbrook that's shown up pretty much for most of the season, those are three really, really good players for UConn. And I feel like three players that are going to be tough for South Carolina to match up with. So as long as those three don't have an off night and Olivia Nelson Adoda is at least a factor, I feel like that's a pretty good sign for Yukon. Also, I'm not convinced that South Carolina is ready to come up to gamble, albeit empty and win a game there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And South Carolina is not a great three point shooting team. They shoot 34% from three. So just average from three. And most of that comes from Zaya Cook. So she, I mean, she also only takes like 3.5 shots from deep per game. So even though she's their best three point shooter, she doesn't take a ton of them. Um, so I think that's a,